Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are live on all of our usual platforms. Both Matt and Dennis are with me here today on this beautiful Monday. How are you guys doing today? How are your weekends? Uh, mine was pretty right. good. Nice, uh, nice day out there, and uh, of course, it's super hot here. It's like eighty-eight degrees now, uh, but. But new uh, new merchandise came, and I have my little green friend to keep me company. So I was gonna say know. I like the I like the new audience member we've got in the background there. Big big fan of his. Big fan of his. He, he's going he's going places. That guy I hear. So <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, I've got mine as well. Although mine only came, my sweatshirt only came, which is upsetting me a little bit because it's it's like ninety eight degrees here in Texas. So wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> probably killed me so i decided to just rock the buckeye shirt today and hope that i'll get my shirt uh hopefully sometime this week dennis how we doing today you know i'm doing fantastic uh take a took a couple days off work and so for most of the weekend i've been cleaning out my garage and starting construction on a new pod cave so just <laughs> nice. nice. got some framing in around the gas line that runs through there and hopefully tonight i might even uh get the first wall framed up so very nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a nice long weekend myself. Memorial Day on Monday. I just uh, I need I need a three day weekend more than I can more than I can remember. This is it's been a been a rough couple weeks, but we are uh, we're going to continue our NFC North preview. As uh, as I mentioned last Monday, we're going to probably do these mostly on Mondays. We've got a lot of guests coming up on the next Thursdays. We might double up here or there, but we're going to focus these on Mondays. Last week we did the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, who finishes the top two teams in the NFC North. Today we're going to talk about the bottom two teams in the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Kicking it off with the Bears, they finished 8-8 eight eight last year, did not make the playoffs after a really good year, had a chance to, I believe, go into the NFC Division Championship the year prior, had they not had the uh, the double stoinker, if I remember correctly, where uh, was it Cody? Double doink. Yeah, yeah double Cody Parkey who hit the, the double doinker there. Uh, so I'm going to start off a little bit different than I did last time. Uh, a question about the Chicago Bears. Is Matt Nagy on the hot seat for you guys coming into this season? We saw him have a phenomenal year there that uh, technically uh, Mitch Trubisky's second year in the league. Really seemed to innovate that offense. Everybody was excited for guys like David Montgomery, among others, in that uh, Chicago offense last year. 
and they really just kind of hit a wall, a completely different kind of game that they were running. Matt Nagy took a lot of criticism. The Bears, while again finished 8-8, eight eight, did not have a great year overall, in my opinion. What do you guys think about Matt Nagy coming into the 2020 season? Is he on the hot seat? I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. Uh, I, I think there's definitely room for growth. So the, the Bears have to start to produce. I think he'll... He's comfortable for this year. Uh, it would be, I, it wouldn't be unusual if they made a sudden choice, but the Bears typically are a little more methodical about how they do things. But it, we've seen it more and more, whether it's with drafting a, a quarterback really high or bringing in a, a, a new coach and shit cannoning him after a year. Those things are getting more, more and more frequent in the NFL. But I don't. I don't think that's how the Bears operate. They're they're a little more tried and true in their approach, and, and I think so. I think Nagy is is definitely safe for this year. Yeah, I mean, I think if if Nagy was really going to be on the the hot seat this year, they wouldn't have done the thing with Nick Foles and put Mitch Trubisky okay. on notice. I think they went the other way, and they're looking at it like, hey, we saw what Nagy did with this team in his first year. Last year wasn't very good. Our our quarterback that we invested in that, that Maggie Aggie didn't pick, that this regime didn't pick, you know, is not maybe the right fit. So, hey, we're going to go. We're going to get Nick Foles, see what he can do. You know, I think they, they've more put it on maybe we didn't give you the right pieces. I don't think that's the kind of offseason move you do if you're saying the coach needs to shape up or ship out. So are they going to let – if let's say they, they don't have a great year. I, I yeah. don't think Foles is necessarily the answer long term. I agree. Are they, are they going to let Nagy draft a quarterback next year? Well, see, that's why I'm wondering if yeah. he's on the hot seat. Like I, I know that it wasn't him who brought in Trubisky, but they brought him in because of the way they felt he could help Trubisky. And it, it seemed like that went well that first year, but then the second year they really kind of crashed and burned. So that's kind of – where I'm at, they've already come out and said they're not picking up his option, right? So he's gone after this yeah. year unless they decide to pay him. So if they do go with Nick Foles, I mean, I, I've always liked Nick Foles. I don't know. He just he's continued so, to prove outside of the Philly year that he's not a, a NFL franchise quarterback. I think if they don't have a good season this season, Trubisky's gone. They will probably look and let him take a quarterback if he wants, but he will be on the hot seat. Gotcha. Okay. Because so now, you know, maybe he would, maybe he's able to say that, you know, this just isn't the right fit. I've done as best I can with Trubisky. And I, I think what helps him not to be on the hot seat and deflect more of that on their situation is most analysts and evaluators feel like the Bears really missed in getting Trubisky, especially when you consider he was taken before Watson, before Mahomes. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's a little bit where he he's getting out, but you know, as soon as you can't deflect it onto that other person, you know, it comes back to you. So if yeah. you're saying he's the problem and he goes and there's still a problem, guess what, buddy, look in the mirror. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we, I don't know how much we can, we can hate on them. I mean, they did go eight and eight, which is still not easy to do in the NFL with, especially with the guy like Mitch Trubisky at your quarterback. Well, I don't think was the only issue I do think that a lot of the play calling and the, and the way they kind of went away from the run last year 
was a big issue with their game because Mr. Biscay's not a guy that is Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson who can light it up throwing the ball. He's got to be in certain situations. So Nagy, well, I think, that's, do a little that's, bit better the play calling. Yeah, that's possibly where he's going to start to get more criticism. It, Trubisky wasn't the only one that didn't seem yeah. to grow. You know, we didn't see much development of Montgomery, young receivers like Anthony Miller. Didn't really see a lot of taking steps forward off of the promise that you thought you had seen potentially the year before or when you drafted them. You know, they went and signed Trey Burton. Never yeah. seemed like they understood. Now we can debate about whether we think he's a good talent, but they at some point saw him play for Philadelphia, thought he would be a potential weapon for this offense. And from my vantage point watching games, it never seemed like they could ever figure out what to do with them. Tariq Cohen, we've seen be successful with different things. Quietly just didn't seem like he knew what to do with him either. So that's the place where Nagy will start to get in trouble. If we have another season where it looks like they don't know what to do with any of their players. Yeah, well, it's interesting here because we're going to go over the the finish, uh, finishes for fantasy for all the guys. And Montgomery finished higher than I thought he would have. I do think, obviously, he had a couple big games, which really helped him out. But uh, So Mitch Trubisky finishes as QB 24 with 208.4 points. David Montgomery, RB 24 with 142.6. Tariq Cohen, RB 38 with 112.5 points. A-Rob, though, was the best out of everybody here. Wide receiver 10 with 194.1 points. Anthony Miller, who did have that surge late in the year, was a guy that a lot of people picked up for their fantasy playoff runs, Does finish ends up finishing his wide receiver 54 with 101.5 points. Jesper Horstead was the best tight end on the day, as tight end 67 with 17.7 points, and then Trey Burton tight end 68, as you just mentioned, the guy that really they, they thought was going to be the guy. Hey, uh, hang on one second. Uh, I mean, 17.7 points being their best tight end. That's you didn't have a tight end if that was, and I didn't even realize a guy named Jesper Horstead played for their team. So, oh yeah, yeah. That, that was the biggest piece of trivia in this entire. I'm looking at the sheet. Oh yeah, he's just making shit up now. Uh, yeah. Dude, I, when I was looking this stuff up the other day, because I, I mean, we all been making fun of them, especially this offseason for having like nine tight ends on the roster, and then I was like, well, who is their first fantasy viable tight end? I'm scrolling and scrolling. I'm like, who the hell is Jesper Horstead? So yeah. All right, there with you. So the new additions uh, this year, they've made a couple new additions. Obviously, we just talked about the trade for Nick Foles a minute ago. Uh, he did re-sign or signed a new deal when he came over to Chicago. Three years, $24 million out after 2021. They brought in Ted, Ted Ginn on a one-year deal. Jimmy Graham on a two-year deal worth $16 million. Then they drafted Cole Komet. And I put it on here because it was an offensive player. Not sure that it matters that much. Uh, Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver out of Tulane. Well, he's there, Riley well, Ridley. Well, yeah, well, you know, are we, I was not very high. Riley Ridley? I believe yeah. they do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, their losses. I don't know if uh, this is a big one, but Trey Burton does end up moving on. They cut him after that kind of failed experiment. And then their expiring contracts after this year. This is where it's interesting. We already know they did not pick up Mitch Trubisky's contract, so he will likely be gone unless they decide to pay him for, for who knows what reason. Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen will both be unrestricted free agents. Now, I don't know how big of a deal that is for Tariq Cohen. Uh, I, I know all three of us, I believe, are David Montgomery believers, so I would imagine if he comes on and has a really good year, Cohen's easier to part with. But what are your guys' thoughts on Tariq Cohen before we move on to the big-name guy there on that list? Uh, about if Do you think there's a chance he stays with them? Do you think it'd be an issue if they do leave him? Again, 
Uh, what was he? What did he finish? 24. Montgomery finishes as, as a low-end wide receiver running back two, not wide receiver, running back two last year, which was kind of surprising with the way they used him and Tariq Cohen. Well, I, you know, Cohen had 100 targets last year, and I don't think that necessarily goes away. Uh, he's going to be a big part of their receiving game, but I don't know how uh, how much you can count on it on a game-by-game basis. So it could be up and down and not terribly consistent depending on how the game flow goes. Uh, I think they franchise tag Allen Robinson after this year. Uh, I think yeah. they'd be crazy yeah. not to. I agree. It sucks, man. Just pray for Allen Robinson to find a quarterback. Whether it's Chicago, you know, if Trubisky develops into what they always hoped, hey, great, that worked out. But Allen Robinson so far has played with Blake Bortles and the Blake Bortles of Chicago. Yeah, I know. Like, isn't that the worst part about it? Is that like this guy showed how talented he is by playing with bad quarterbacks and producing, and 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 think of how abysmal they're. Think of how abysmal their offense was, at least to watch last year, and the fact that he ended up as wide receiver 10. I know. And that is a true testament. Uh, how good he is. Yeah. I mean, Montgomery, that's... I think, ends up – there's so many running back by committee now, and Montgomery was one of the rare backs that stayed healthy the whole way through. Mm-hmm. I think that really aids and lifts his you know, RB24. Not that we don't all like him, but I think if you watched him – you know, that's probably why you were surprised he ended up that high. He yeah. has a few benefits in the way the position's played. But that wide receiver 10, that's that's a guy just saying, to hell with it, I'm I'm doing what I can. Yeah. It's almost, that's the way I felt about Sutton last year. For Denver, you know, you're watching a guy that doesn't have a lot of quarterback or offense going on. It's just like, I'm still doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think with, uh, so back to Cohen, he finished his RB 28 last year in PPR. 20? Yep. Well, I I only run my the numbers through week sixteen. Yeah, so did I. So, did yours, I is your fantasy? Full pro? I think I think your no, I didn't use point five. Pro. Yeah, I did point five. Oh, I, I did PPR. I, that seems to be the more uh, whatever it is accepted method. We all play half. Well, I know I play in a couple half point PPRs, but mostly full point. But half point seems to be the more, I guess, the dip in the toe in the water thing. More more uh, played. Format, so that's what I went for with the scoring. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that splits the difference. It splits yeah. the difference. But I think to go back to your question a little bit, Tariq Cohen, I, you know, we've seen he can be a valuable weapon, but mm. he's not going to be a guy that's carrying anyone's backfield. So when you, yeah. even if he has a really good season, what, you know, the position, obviously, we've seen a real repudiation of huge contracts unless you're in a elite tier of running backs. We've seen that kind of coming down this off season. You see a guy like that. I could see him getting kind of like a Tevin Coleman two year, $8.5 million deal somewhere. If he has a really explosive season, but that may be not cost prohibitive for the bears. You know, yeah. if they see him as a weapon, a multifaceted weapon that seems to be where he's, he's going to kind of go. So I, I wouldn't think even a, he'd have to have a pretty exceptional you know like close to a thousand yards rushing and something to really blow up i think yeah he's he's gonna need to be the second coming of darren sproles i think Uh, but i do see the bears saying hey you're a valuable member of our team and we need to keep you around and so from a fantasy perspective i think we need to view him as an rb3 I agree i agree well and what i was going to say for for a montgomery owner let me know if, if you guys agree with this 
I actually think having Cohen there is better for Montgomery because Cohen is not that good of a rusher. And so right. it gives Montgomery that that lead over him and that. Like, obviously, we all wish because me, Den- I mean, Dennis, you know, we, we watched him a lot in college. He was, we were a big fan of his coming out. He can catch the ball. He's a very good receiver out of the backfield in Montgomery. But if that's all you're really losing to Cohen for that offense, I don't think that's a bad thing because Montgomery is heads above him as a runner that you know that you're going to get that out of him and likely be the goal line back as well. So I do think having a guy like Cohen there is actually a good thing for Montgomery. Instead of them bringing in, like Matt, you mentioned, a lot of teams going to the committee backfields. If the committee is you're getting most of the rushing work, Cohen's getting the passing work, that does help Montgomery a little bit more compared to bringing in like a guy, say, not this would happen, but like a Kenyon Drake type who can run and catch the ball. And so you're seeding even more of your work to a guy like that. So I would like them to bring back Cohen just in, in that facet alone. Well, um, here's the bear. Here's the Bears depth chart right now at running back. They've got Cohen. They've got Montgomery. They have everybody's All-American Ryan Nall, uh, Artavis <laughs> Pierce, and Napoleon Maxwell. And I consider myself to be a quite a knowledgeable uh, fantasy football player. I don't yeah. have any idea who Artavis Pierce and Napoleon Max. I hope they are. still have Jesper well, uh, Horstead because then they could be creating the all name team. Yep. Just yes, just sir. letting my uh, letting my Pac-12 uh, after dark fandom coming out here. Artavius Pierce was a, a Oregon State guy last year. He was who stole uh, my carries away from Jamar Jefferson. So Pierce is an okay guy. He, he's a lot more like David Montgomery than anybody else. Now, whoever that other guy is, I already forgot his name. Napoleon Bonaparte, something, whatever yeah, you said. I have no, yeah, idea that is. no idea who that guy is. So yeah, I'm with you on that. You have uh, no so, idea, but the British fans are very scared right now. Yeah. Right. That's very true. Yeah. Well, he's likely to meet his Waterloo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, Dennis mentioned that he thinks the Bears should, and I, I agree with him that they likely will franchise Tal- Allen Robinson. Do you agree with that? I know you were just talking about how good he was. Do you agree with that? you think they sign him? I mean, I, it's hard for me to think they let him go with as bad as that wide receiver room is as well. Well, the thing that I would be curious about is, you know, we have offensive contracts on here. I, I, You'd have to see defensive contracts that are expiring before you could say for sure that he would be the guy. There was a would... couple, but I don't think anybody big named. I tried to I tried to grab anybody big name. Like with when we get to the Lions, you'll see I have some offensive tackle stuff on there and everything. I, I didn't see any really big names on the defensive side. And I could be wrong about that. I mean, I think they you know, they don't have much behind Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. And we, you know, we've seen a few flashes uh, from Anthony Miller, but, you know, in five years, we've seen a few flashes from Corey Davis, too. It doesn't mean a guy is ever going to actually get it. Allen Robinson has been such a weapon at a key position. It would make some sense uh, to franchise tag him. Um, but, boy, it's it feels hard to uh, handicap what the Bears are going to do, a team that finally rid themselves of Trey Burton only to sign Jimmy Graham. So, yeah. you know, it's – I think you got to build that see. chemistry, Matt. you got to build that chemistry. Graham's a proven leader. He's a veteran leader. Well, you know, when we looked, I was surprised when we were looking at Green Bay last week. He was their second most targeted pass, yeah. pass catcher for Green Bay. He quietly had – I mean – Green Bay's pass offense just wasn't wasn't much, and he's quietly not had bad years. He wasn't too bad in Seattle either. I just think we always think of the guy who is 
you know, the and guy or, for the Saints, and that's yeah. that's probably was never going to be a realistic expectation. The Bears, at least, seem like a franchise that might actually want to use a tight end. Well, the problem with Graham is, I think, is he just, I mean, he injuries. can still catch the ball and everything. And the, yeah, just the lower leg injuries. He looks like he's 80 out there running the ball. Once he catches it, he's not getting any yak yards. It's one of those things where you just got to hope one of the catches he gets you is a touchdown. I think that's Graham's biggest thing. He's still, I think, a good player. He just, he doesn't have that yak ability in him anymore. And really just watching him run off the line, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, my toddler could outrace him at this point. Like, it's it looks bad, him running on the field. I do think it's all those lower leg injuries. All right. Yeah, so, he's torn his patella, his ACL. Yeah, it's been bad. That patella yeah. one, you know, some guys have been career enders on that. Yeah. So. so the Bears had the 29th-ranked offense, according to pro uh, football reference, last year. Do you think they can move into the top 20 this year? Well, let me ask you, who's starting at quarterback? Because that was going to be my question. Foles or Trubisky? So does that change it all for you? I think if they have Foles, with the way Matt Nagy showed that he can call an offense, I do. They've got good pieces around him. They've got a decent offensive line. I believe in Montgomery. believe in Cohen. Now, the other, the only problem I have is I like Anthony Miller. I don't know how good he is. I really don't. I just haven't seen enough out of it. I, I know they have Robinson, and that's all that I know. He's proven he can be a stud, even being the only guy there. So, yes, I think if Foles is the starting quarterback, I do think that they could possibly make it up into, I don't know, say 17, 16 territory. Who are the teams right ahead of them? Uh, Sorry, I clicked off that page. No, you're good. Matt, what do you think Why he's pulling that up? Better than – so getting to top 20? Yeah. I mean – yeah, I think it really just depends on their efficiency. I would be curious to see where they ranked in 2018 because that felt like a much better offense when they were well, playing well. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were still only 25th there, which tells me they can be successful and not come close to top 20 because you have some teams that have garbage records that, you know, like – Tampa Bay last year had to have been pretty close yeah, to top, really had to be top 10 in, on offense, yeah. even though they had no running game and they were nobody's idea of a successful team. So those rankings, you know, are based on yardage and, uh, and sometimes yard, a combination of yardage and points. And that doesn't necessarily tell you how successful a team is. So I, I would lean toward them finishing outside the top 20, even if they have a better, uh, season. I don't think it would surprise any of us here if they were the fourth best offense in their own division. Yeah. So yeah. the teams directly uh, above them: Denver was twenty-eight, Pittsburgh twenty-seven, Jacksonville twenty-six, Miami twenty-five, Oakland twenty-four. Wow. See, yeah, I mean, I think think, think about some. <laughs> yeah. Well, and think Miami didn't have much of a great season at all, but they became yeah. a heck of a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll agree with you on, Matt, on the 2018 season, I honestly think the reason the Bears had such a successful season was because of how good that defense was. They led the league in turnovers, so they kept giving Trubisky and that offense the ball back, and a lot of it in short fields. So even if they weren't getting touchdowns, they were already getting field goals. I think that really is what led to the Bears having such a good record and making the playoffs the way they did because of how good that defense was, not necessarily the offense. Yeah, in 2018, the Bears had the ninth-ranked offense. Ooh, oh my okay. god! I, so that is a huge you know what? So uh, I guess they could get 
back in China. I cannot believe they were the ninth ranked offense. I know. I so, so they were tw- so they are were they, Is the metric points? Do you, can it tell you what it's basing their metric off of? No, I, I I'm not sure. I'd have to spend some time looking into it. You know the the things they have their their passing, their rushing, their penalties, turnovers, total yards. You know, those are all the different metrics they have on here. But I so how they're determining here, hold on. I'm looking up a different I'm looking up Matt Nagy's professional coach. Oh, it's, uh, it's scoring points four. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Jared. None of us are as good looking as you, my friend, but we appreciate the comment. <laughs> yeah, so in two thousand eight eighteen overall in percentage. So rushing offense attempts, they were 11th in yards. Passing offense, yeah, uh, passing offense in 2018, they were 21st in yards, 24th in attempts. So I think that might kind of take, because I'm looking at Matt Nagy's um, stats and it lays out a lot of different For 2018 or 2019? That was for 2018. And in 2019, uh, they were, uh, let me see, they were 27th in rushing yards, 20th in rushing attempts, and they were 25th in both passing attempts and yards. Yeah, based on the points here, so in 2018, the Bears scored 421 points, and in 2019, they scored 280 points. Yeah, so points. Well, in the, yeah. <laughs> Well, again, with the 2018, like you just mentioned, the disparity in rushing there, a lot of that, too, goes back to what everybody was complaining about last year. Matt Nagy wasn't running the ball a lot, and neither was Mitchell Trubisky. That was a big part of his game and why he finished as such a high fantasy quarterback so in 2018. If you really look at dial down to those specific numbers in the Bears' offense, they went from 11th in the league in rushing yards to 27th, whereas passing it was 21 to 25. So their passing game wasn't necessarily – that, yeah. that much worse. I think it got exposed as being that much worse because of the things you talked about. They weren't having quite as many difference-making plays on defense, so their record slid, and they weren't rushing en- enough to compensate for the fact that their passing game is just eh. Yeah. All right, so let's go. Let's Big big question here. Who starts for you, Matt? Who do you think it's going to be, Foles or Tabisky? I think they're both going to start at some point. In well, who season. starts off the season? Week one, set whatever that's going to be. September, whatever. Trubisky? Okay. What about you, Dennis? Same. Same? I'm going to go Foles. I think I'm, I think he's going to end up – see, that's the worst part about it is we don't know what they're going to have camp-wise or preseason. But I think Foles that's, is going to get That's a little job. bit why I think, I think Mitch ends up starting the season because it, everything is looking like it's going to be a very truncated kind of offseason and – and putting together, and I think also they're going to give Mitch Trubisky a chance to start. And when he kind of, if he can't make it, flops out, then yeah. Foles. Yeah, that's correct. This offseason might make it hard to win the job for Foles. I agree. That That's kind of the worst part about this. We don't know what kind of offseason anybody's going to have right now. That's the worst part about it with the rookies, too. Can Ginn or Jimmy Graham make a fantasy impact on this team this year? I, I, obviously, we just talked about with the wide receivers. It's Allen Robinson. 
we're hoping for a step up maybe from Anthony Miller. What does Ted Ginn do? Because if it's Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball, it's going to be 15 yards in the ground behind him. As he's so, so are you asking, can Jimmy Graham score 20 fantasy points? Yeah, that is what – yeah, that's actually probably more <laughs> – That would be, an, that would be an impact. Yes, that would be. Yes, can Jimmy Graham score more than 17.7 points in fantasy for the, yes. tight, the tight end position in Chicago? I, yeah. I think Jimmy is going to finish around tight end 14 or 16, but okay. mostly he's going to teach Cole Komet how to be an NFL tight end. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, the one guy I think we didn't uh, talk about uh, in terms of what the Bears lost is uh, they released Taylor Gabriel, who was actually kind of their wide receiver three. Last year, he had 48 targets, 29 receptions, 353 yards, and four TDs. If that's the kind of standard you're setting for Ginn, I would wager that's uh, somewhere close, a little bit lower than what Ginn had in New Orleans last year. I think he could be a reliable kind of, third option gadget player that was probably why they they picked him in that spot they probably thought that he gave them a little more diversity in what he could do than what they were getting out of gabriel yeah gin had 30 receptions on 56 targets with two touchdowns last year so So gabriel had more tds yeah yeah so what do you think it's for again wide receiver five for fantasy at best oh yeah 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 Yeah. he's he's the best ball guy He's a bye week kind of bye week late in the season. Speaking of which, I don't know if you guys looked, but uh, there is some savage week thirteen buys are Tampa Bay and Carolina. So, R.I.P. All of those fans. If you're riding Christian McCaffrey the the last week of your regular season, oh, well, I just realized when I was looking at my draft better board. Better hope you have it wrapped up. Better yeah. hope you have one of those buys wrapped up by then. Uh, since we already talked about A-Rob, I'm going to change this question up just a little bit. What do we think Anthony Miller can do in 2020? Do we think he can take a step forward? As I mentioned, those last five games, he really came out on fire, looked really good, was a viable starting, I think, wide receiver too. those last few weeks of the fantasy football season. What do we think he can do here in the new season, whether it's with Trubisky or Foles at quarterback? Well, I would certainly expect him to continue to progress. Uh, For him, I think it comes down to whether or not the quarterback in Chicago can support more than one wide receiver. Last year, he had 52 receptions on 85 targets. So he definitely needs to bump up the catch percent, 61%. So if if he brought in, if he bumps his targets up to 100 and he brings in 70% of them. Now he's went from 52 receptions to 70 receptions, and that should put him up in the, you know, 800, 850 yards. Part of the challenge he had was he dropped from seven touchdowns as a rookie to only two touchdowns last year. Mm -hmm. But that whole Chicago offense kind of that, that, that really encompasses what happened with the bears offense in general last year. So I, I would expect him to be in the 70 to, 65 to 75 catch range this year, probably wide receiver three-ish. Yes, health is is a concern for him as well, little boxes. Go ahead, Matt. I I would say health is a concern, but also the – you know, what is the volume of this passing offense going to be? I think we've seen the last two years, even with Nagy, they haven't been better than 21st in pass offense. We just looked at 
you know, what they had last year where a tight end basically being a part of the offense didn't exist. We we're making jokes, but I mean, you're looking at those points. So Dennis brings up a good point. If he can get his targets up to 100, where are those targets coming from? Because we just talked about we could see them trying to get Ted Ginn involved. We could see them using Jimmy Graham more than the tight ends they used last year. Tariq Cohen's still there. He had 104 targets. We thought he was going to be something similar. Where do those targets for Anthony Miller come from? And does it savage Allen Robinson? Because if I remember a couple of those huge games that Miller had, it meant that Robinson, you know, took a back seat. So it goes back to that question, volume, and what can this offense support? If they don't take a market step forward in what they're able to produce in pass offense, it's hard to see where Anthony Miller gets more targets and receptions without it taking away from something else. Well, the Bears had 512 attempts in 2018, and 371 last year. So I feel like they've got to regress back towards the 2018 season. And in doing so, let's say they split the difference. Um, and get to 450. Yeah. You know, that, so that's that, about 70 more targets. Yeah. And that gives in, in all, um, oh, uh, what the hell is his name? All Miller needed was 15 targets to get to 100. So if he gets 100, 105 targets, that still leaves another 50 targets to go around for Jimmy Graham. You know, Allen Robinson could bump up there and, and you know, stay around the 150, 160 target range, still be a target hog. So the, the they can do it. It's, it's within their reach. It's if whether or not Trubisky puts the ball within their reach. You mentioned that you think Jimmy Graham could be more of a teacher for Cole Komet, if that's possible. We mentioned he's signed for a two-year deal. When do you think Komet could be a future dynasty or a, a valuable tight end for fantasy? I think he'd be coming on mid-year next year. Okay. You know, the transition the transition is is slow for for tight ends. I he's not he Komet's not T.J. Hawkinson. He's not Noah Fant. He's not you know, George Kittle, he's not one of these guys that's going to come out and take the scene like Rob Gronkowski. He's going to have to grow into it over his first couple seasons. Uh, I, I think I'd be very comfortable if he, if he comes out of this year with 50 targets, you know, I might be going out and trying to, to buy him depending on what Graham looked like and what Chicago in general looks like. What about you, Matt, your thoughts on commit? I mean, we kind of have to see. Chicago has had a couple of tight ends they've taken in recent years that they have done nothing with. So yeah. I'm going to remain skeptical until I see I see something. You know, it, it would be nice to see at least a some sign of life at some point uh, from him this year. If you're going to hope that he he comes on for next year. All right, over-unders. This is kind of my favorite part here. I love talking about this stuff. Trubisky or Nick Foles, either one. Does either one finish over QB 22? I don't think so because I think they're going to split the season pretty well. I think Mitch is going to start out for five, six, seven games, and he's going to do his typical fizzle, and then Foles is going to take over and look pretty good for five, six, seven games and then do his fizzle. So quick clarification, because we did this last yes. time. 
Over means worse than quarterback twenty-two and under. No, over means over means nineteen. Well, so twenty-one or, or under. Under means behind him. It's confusing. I think they're going to be worse. You're going to be worse. Yeah, under so, means you're going to be worse. Over means you're going to be better. Let me write okay. that down. Yeah, I'll take under then. <laughs> okay. All right, so the eighty. We don't want you to come back and say, "Oh, the, they thought no, he was going to be a top twenty quarterback." I'm not saving any of this stuff right now. We'll, we're going to save that for some. Uh, what's it called? Uh, we'll, we're right before the season stuff as we get closer to the season, whenever that will be. So this is a so interesting thing with both of these guys here. So right now, Mr. Trubisky is being drafted as QB thirty nine with an ADP of two forty five. Foles QB forty with an ADP of two forty. So clearly, at, at some point, he's getting drafted a decent amount ahead of Trubisky. Everybody's how is that possible? If uh, That's if, what I was trying to figure out. I, I only can think of is, is there must be some drafts where he's getting taken so far ahead of Trubisky that it's messing up the ADP somewhere. That's the only thing I can think or of. Or Foles is being drafted as a wide receiver someplace. Or wait, maybe it's, was it running back that the depth chart was really bad? It's possible. So there's really only three quarterbacks going over them that have like any kind of fantasy value. So I'm just going to ask if you would take them over any of these guys. And I know Matt's going to answer no on one of them. The three guys being drafted ahead of them are Tyrod Taylor, Taysom Hill, and Jacob Eason. So only one of those guys is a guaranteed starter this year. So would you take Trubisky or Foles over any of those three? This is for a dynasty startup. Not as my quarterback one, uh, but then again, I, w- I don't think I'd take Trubisky or Foles as my quarterback one either. Yeah. Well, I would imagine if you're drafting here in the 245, you're number 245, you're not drafting them. If you've right. waited this long for a quarterback, you've really screwed yourself at this point. Like, it's I, happened. I, it, it I think happen. uh, sure. I can understand waiting. That's a serious risk there. Wait until 245, take your first quarterback. So. I think it really depends on my quarterback landscape. For me, if if I'm the Herbert owner, yeah, I, I'm taking Tyrod over either of these two Jags because, you know, I know together I have a complete. You know, I have the guy that's probably yeah. going to start, and then I go back over. If I'm just looking to add potential depth to my roster, I probably would lean Eason because I like the potential that he could get a shot as early as next year or. Uh, something like that, as opposed to, you know, Trubisky, Foles. We don't know that either of them is going to be great this year, and we really don't know what the the future holds. You know, if Trubisky gets cut loose, we saw, you know, Marcus Mariota, James Winston, Cam Newton. We saw a ton of guys this offseason that basically turned to fantasy dust uh, in terms of their starting viability. And Foles, sure, might be under contract for another year, but you'd figure they're either going to sign a free agent or they're going to draft somebody, which puts him into kind of no man's land. He's not a real long-term bet. So if you're looking dynasty, I know you put Taysom Hill on there, and I, I take him as I take him in certain situations. But again, I, I think for when you some need of these guys, it's. ESPN gave him tight end eligibility. It's fine. Well, no, I didn't just put Taysom Hill on this list. He's being drafted ahead of both of these guys. That's what well, literally. I've I've took I took Taysom Hill over both these guys in a super flex startup where I have Drew Brees. Gotcha. I'm like I'm not taking, you know, these two guys, and that's why I said I think when you're in these quarterbacks, to me it becomes situational. If you're in a one quarterback league, unless it's 32 teams, you're probably leaving a lot of these guys on your waiver wire. 
you know, or you're taking a dynasty stash, in which case you're going for a guy like Eason, who has some kind of upside, or Hill, who might potentially have some kind of an upside role, uh, who at least seems to be wanted by his team. You know, if you're in super flex and you need a starter, I, I, that's where you're kind of weighing your options. Yeah. Uh, so little boxes. This is based on ADP for a twelve-team startup. I believe it's like forty-something rounds. So it, it's it's a pretty deep startup uh, ADP here. As for me, the only well, I, I would honestly take either one of them over Hill. I, I just don't believe he's going to be anything of much for New Orleans. Just my opinion. Uh, and and depending on how my team was set up, if I felt like I could win this year, especially if it was a super flex one. I would take both of them over Eason as well. I want the immediate production if I feel like my team's going to win that year. If I'm building for the future, I've taken Eason in a couple of these drafts over both of those guys because I think he could be the guy though the Chargers had had to come or not Chargers, the Colts had to come out here today and be like, Oh, we think Rivers can play for like three years, which really just kind of pissed yeah, me off. Yeah, but Rivers already took another job as a head coach for a high school football team. Yeah. They already had a press conference and everything. Kind of makes you think he, he and Frank Reich might be on different pages. Yeah, I, well, I think so. I, I think the thing with Foles and Trubisky, though, it's kind of like what a lot of people did last year with Penny and Carson. If you own one, you're either trying to move them to the other's other guy's owner or you're yeah. trying to acquire the other guy. So – because it is a, you, you know, it's a fluid situation. So if I have Trubisky on my team and I know I'm going to need to rely on him, let's say he's my second quarterback in a super flex, it's in my best interest to go out and get Foles, regardless of who I think is going to be the starter. Yeah. Because one, one of them is going to and one of them's not. And it could end up by week 10. It could be, you know, we're going to alternate series and see who has the hot hand. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that either. David Montgomery, will he finish higher than RB24 in 2020? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. I agree. How much over do you think he can make it below 20? Yes. Yeah, I I think that because I think that whole offense is going to – If they go back closer to the 2018 level, I mean – yeah, even though they're going to have some quarterback shuffling, I think in general the offense is going to take an, a step back closer to that 2018, and that's going to be better for Montgomery. All right. Can't be I, much I, worse. I agree. I'm, I'm not sure how close he gets to 20, but I do think he's going to be better than 24. Uh, he's right now being drafted as RB22 with an ADP of 60. So he, here are the guys going before him. Would you take him before Devin Singletary, Todd Gurley, or Kenyon Drake? Yes. I would probably take Drake over Montgomery. No, no, these are these guys are going before Montgomery. So would you take Montgomery over any of those three? Uh Singletary most likely. Okay. Uh, it'd be probably a coin flip with Gurley, but I'd take Drake over Montgomery. I, I don't know if we're, if we're talking about dynasty, which I, Yes. What we I'd take him over both of those because I I think Gurley's situation, he may be better may be better in 2020, but long-term, who knows, and Kenyon Drake the same way. Well, my team's a winning team. I'm defending champion. <laughs> if you're a defending champion, you're not drafting these guys. These are startup guys. <laughs> so, uh, defend, you're the two-time well, defending I don't hypothetical need to, champion. I don't, need to, I don't need your details. 
Yeah, we don't need the semantics here, Matt. Come on now. Come on. All right, these are the guys going behind him. Would you take any of these guys over Montgomery? Oh, I, I guess I should have answered. Uh, I don't know if I would. Uh, maybe Gurley. I like Drake and I like Singletary a lot. Even with Moss there, I still am a big fan of Singletary. So Gurley would be the only one I'd probably take Montgomery over in a, in a dynasty. Uh, so these are the three going behind him. One of it's just I, I, honestly, two of these guys are outstanding to me. Melvin Gordon, we already know Matt's answer to that one. Keyshawn Vaughn and Le'Veon Bell are all going behind Montgomery. Would you draft any of those guys over Montgomery? I'll kick it off with you, Matt, because I know one of those guys is dead to you. So Vaughn or I Bell, would, would you take either one over him? I would take you and Dennis over Melvin Gordon. So, <laughs> um, but no, I would take uh, I would take Montgomery over those guys. I think Le'Veon Bell, as much as I, you know, I love Bell as much as anybody, but his future is real uncertain. And I like Keyshawn Vaughn, but if you're going with young running backs in, in their situation, probably Montgomery, a little bit better option there. Yeah, I don't think that Vaughn is necessarily that much better of an athlete than mm-hmm. Montgomery. So I think their situations are similar when it comes to who they are as running backs. But I think that Montgomery doesn't have to worry about Ronald Jones. Not that Ronald Jones is uh, an elite back. I do think that Vaughn and Jones are going to have a much clearer split uh, of snaps. Uh, Bell, in, you know, I feel like he's going he's, he's gonna to have a good year this year, and, and Gordon as well. But I think that looking at the curve, they're both pretty far, pretty far down there, Pat past where Montgomery is. The question for me is, what do I think the shelf life of Montgomery is? And I don't know that it's much longer than what uh, Jordan Howard's shelf life is. So if that's the case, if I'm looking at the next two years, do I think the next two years of Montgomery are going to be better than the next two years of Bell or better than the next two years of Gordon? I almost might take Gordon over Montgomery but probably Montgomery over Bell. Okay. Uh, I think I'd still take him over all three, and I love myself some Keyshawn Vaughn. Ronald Jones is elite light. He's he's not quite elite, but he's right there. He's elite light, right? So I, I would take him over Vaughn. He's an elite light. He's a lousy running back, but he's an elite okay. light. Tariq Cohen, uh, will he finish better than RB35 in 2020? I think so. I think he's going to – be around that 100 targets again. I think he's a dynamic player. Um, what is that? That's where he was last year on half people. Uh, no, he finished half third, point. so I gave him a, a little bit more of an uptick, just three spots. So. And this is yeah. 0.5. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I think he'll be closer to 30. Okay. Matt? Yeah, I'll take the uh, – so over is good. Right? Over. Yes, over is yeah, good. Take over under bad. There we go. This is the best way to put it, yeah. Uh, so his ADP right now is running back 40, uh, or sorry, he's going as RB40, ADP of 121. Guys being drafted ahead of him, Marlon Mack, or Ronald Jones, Elite Light, and on Johnson. You taking Cohen over any of those three? Boy, I'm probably I'll, taking Cohen. I think over Mack. That's my answer. Over Mack, that's it. yeah. I, I still, you know, I want to believe in carry on. I'm a Lions fan, but man, the more I see a Swift, the better he looks. I know. And, and it's, but you just don't know what's going on up there with Matt Patricia. Um, 
Yeah, I'd probably take him over Mac, though. I expect Mac to have a, a better year than most are predicting. I would take him over Mac and Ronald Jones. How dare you, sir? Drafted. Hey, Go ahead. The uh, the Bucks would take him over Ronald Jones, just so we're clear. Being drafted just behind him, Darrell Henderson, Antonio Gibson, and James White. I would take Gibson over Cohen, but that is it. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I might take Gibson over Cohen just because I like the promise long term, but it depends, yeah. you know. On the, the rest of the construction of your team, Cohen probably returns a higher value in 2020. Uh, I feel like I think I would take Cohen over all three of those guys. Okay. Fair enough. Little boxes. We will be well, getting to Swift's yeah. ADP here soon. We're actually going to be on Detroit here in just a minute. and We have a lot of fun little facts for him if, you, if you're able to stick around. Allen Robinson, wide receiver 10 in 2020, higher or lower? I will go higher. I think he finishes closer to five than 10 this season. Yeah, I think Robinson's going to have an outstanding year. I think he's showing us that it just doesn't matter who his quarterback is because he's the best wide receiver on the team and they're going to funnel targets to him and everybody else is fighting for the leftovers. He's going to get his 160 targets and he's going to turn them into 100 catches. I would take the slight over. All right. He's being drafted as wide receiver 14 with an ADP of 32. Being drafted right ahead of him, Julio Jones, Kenny Galladay, and Amari Cooper. I would take A-Rob over Cooper, but that is it. What about you, Dennis? Uh, I would take him over Cooper. It'd be a coin flip with Julio, and uh, I'd probably take Galladay because I'm a homer. Uh, I think Galladay's better, so I agree with you there. Matt? I'd take him over Cooper. All right. Being drafted just under him, C.D. Lamb, D.K. Metcalf, and Cortland Sutton. Matt, would you take any of those three over A-Rob? I would take Sutton and Lamb over A-Rob. Ooh, okay. Dennis? I would probably just take Sutton, uh, and it'd be it'd be a coin flip. It's one of those things that uh, I'd be thinking, oh, I'm probably not going to get Sutton, and so I'll take A-Rob, and if they're both sitting there, uh, I'd probably take Sutton. It'd be close. Yeah, I would take Sutton. It would be a coin flip for me on Lamb and Metcalf. I think they're both close, but I think I'd probably lean A-Rob just a little bit more. Uh, no, Allen Robinson or Julio is being drafted over Allen Robinson right now. He is uh, Allen Robinson is being drafted behind Julio. All right, two more guys here before we move on to the Lions. Anthony Miller, will he finish better than wide receiver 40 in 2020? I'll take the over. I'll take the over as well. Sorry, I had to check my notes on what the over yeah, meant. <laughs> I'm with both of you on that as well. He's being drafted as wide receiver 58 with an ADP of 127. Being drafted just ahead of him, Sammy Watkins, Jamison Crowder, and Sterling Shepard. Would you take him over any of those three? Yes. Yeah, I think in Dynasty I'd take him over all three. Oh, ooh, really? Okay, I would not take him over Shepard. I would take him over Crowder and Watkins. I still believe in Shepard. Dennis, would you take him over all three? Is that what you said? Yes, I would. I would. Shepard can't stay on the field. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe this is his year. You don't know. Neither can Anthony Miller. The third best receiver on the Giants is who you're going to take over him? Yeah. I believe in Daniel Jones more than I believe in Mitchell Trubisky. It's not even really close. Just under him, uh, Paris Campbell, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Corey Davis. What a murderer's row. 
I might take Samuel over him. I, yeah. I, it'd be hard. It, it would be a coin flip, but he's the only one. As much as I love Paris Campbell, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I would take the what Miller has already proved. Yeah, I, I think I'd take Miller over all three of those. Yeah, I think I would too. All right, and last but not least, Cole Komet. Is, uh, will he finish over tight end 20 in 2020? Under. Yeah, he's going to be worse than that under. He is being drafted as tight end 20 right now with an ADP of 161, being drafted just ahead of him. Ian Thomas, O.J. Howard, and Jonu Smith. You taking him over any of those three? Nope. Nope. All right. And then under Blake Jarwin, Jared Cook, and Adam Troutman, any of those guys going ahead of Komet for you? Uh, I might take Troutman. I mean, if I'm going to take a young tight end, it could go either way. I think if I remember correctly, I had – Komet and Troutman one and two. So yeah, I would at the very least it would be, well, I've got enough of this guy. I'll take some of this guy. I would take Troutman too, because I think the potential in the offense season is a little higher. Yep. All right. And I agree with you guys on both of those. So let's talk about Dennis's beloved Detroit Lions. Unfortunately, finished three and twelve last year, missing the playoffs. A lot of that, I think, due to Matt Stafford's injury. They were playing, as we've discussed many a times here recently, too. How good Detroit looked earlier in the season, and how they kind of got boned by the officials in a couple of those games to lose those. Looked really good. Lose Matt Stafford. Is this shit? This shit. My goodness, is this it for Matt Patricia? What does he have to do to keep his job moving forward? We'll start with you, Dennis, being the Lions fan that you are. Just win, baby. Just win. All right. You know, he's got to – they've got to play well and they've got to play for him. I think he's working to build the kind of culture that he wants. I can't tell you whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing or an indifferent thing, but he's got a former Patriot in the front office. He's a former Patriot, and they're trying to emulate some of that Patriot way and do things how they do do it. Um if he continues to get if he continues to get the buy-in and the players play, it, it could definitely be a year where they take a step. You know, having having uh carry on and DeAndre Swift, you've got two pretty dynamic people in the background. Galladay is a bona fide stud. You've got Hawkinson at tight end. They've got a pretty good offensive line. If Matt Stafford, who is getting older and the injuries, he, he doesn't bounce back from the injuries the way that he used to. Uh, if, he can, can, if he can stay healthy with Marvin Jones back, Cephas in there, uh, that one or two games Danny Amendola is going to give him, you know, they should be pretty good to go. I think what they brought in Allison to replace Amendola when he gets hurt. So they've got some depth. If they can win, if that defense can make up for the loss of trading away Darius Slay, those linebackers and that defensive line can get pressure on the quarterback, then it becomes an opportunity to outperform the expectations. I, I think because Patricia is kind of that goofy guy with the pencil in his ear, scowling, and not terribly personable, I, I think it's sort of set a bar of low expectations his behavior and how they've performed uh, inconsistently over the past couple years. So if they win, if they go nine and seven, 10 and six, uh, I think he's going to be comfortable. 
eight and eight, seven and nine, he's going to have to hope that some things happened that, uh, you know, that he can say, you know, we lost three offensive linemen. How do you expect me to, you know, we've, we've got good depth, but there's a reason these three guys were the starters and these other three guys weren't or things like that. Or if they lose Galladay or both of their backs, things, it, it it's going to come down to just win, baby. And Ricky, hello. Thank you for joining us. Matt, what about you? What are your thoughts on uh, Patricia? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a, a tough year for him. They started out pretty decently, and while you could blame uh, injuries on offense for some on that side of the ball, but Patricia is a defensive guy, and you'd be hard-pressed to find anything they did well defensively, especially down the stretch last year. Uh, that combined with, you know, there's been some real negativity from players uh, who have had a lot of complaints uh, about him and the way the organization goes. So, you know, winning can cure all the, a lot of those things, as we've seen. You know, Bill Belichick isn't the most warm and fuzzy guy, but they consistently win, so guys want to go there. If you have that kind of a mentality and personality and you can't win, it can be hard to attract talent, and that's something that an organization becomes leery of. So if they don't take some market steps forward, uh, I think either make the playoffs or at least be in strong competition, I, I think he's on his way out because there was some thought that he might not even make it to this year based on yeah. how they kind of faded last year. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of talk about that last year. Um, I was That's why I was interested to see what you guys thought about that. The fantasy finishes for the Detroit Lions in 2020. So Stafford finishes QB 29 with 177.5 points. He did miss seven games with an average score of 22.19 in all of the games he played. You average that up, he could have finished as QB3 on the year. Carry on, RB55 with 69.7 points, missed eight games, average score of 9.96, would have finished as RB22 had that played out throughout the year. Galladay, as same as the Bears here, just an absolute stud all season long, just like A-Rod finishes as wide receiver five with 207.8 points. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 24 with 162.9 points. And then Hawkinson, who came out strong uh, but then really suffered some injuries and took a step back on the field, finished his tight end 30 with 64.7 points. Galladay and Jones, both primed to be top 24 wide receivers for 2020, assuming health for Matt Stafford. What do you think, Dennis? Oh, I think so. I think Marvin Jones is one of the most underrated wide receivers uh, in fantasy. Um, I think the downside of Marvin Jones is he could score 10 touchdowns next year, but they could be in two games. <laughs> they probably will be in two games. Um, but I, I think you're right. Their top 24 would make uh, would make sense, especially looking at what they were able to do uh, last year with uh, quite a combination of passers down the stretch. All right, so let's see here. Hawkinson, who dealt with injuries all season, can he become a top 14 tight end in 2020? Oh, yeah. I think Hawkinson, uh, he showed it by coming in and pretty much taking that starting job that he's up to the task. The Lions drafted him high. They invested a lot in him, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity to uh either be great or fall on his face, and I think he's going to do well. I'm going to say he finishes outside of the top 14. All right. Can Galladay make the move to the top three at wide receiver? Finishes wide receiver five last year. That's from M. Bullman. What do you think? 
I'm gonna say outside of top three. I I I'm gonna say it's it's within the range of outcomes. Whether he can, whether it happens or not, you know, I, I, it, it can happen. I don't, I, to say I believe it, uh, it's more of a I believe it can than I believe speaking it will. And it's speaking into existence. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. So their additions, they added a lot of players here in the offseason. Well, we'll save the losses, actually. We'll start with the additions. So, uh, uh, Eli Potivati Vitae, I, I cannot say that dude's name, but the offensive tackle they bring in, they brought in Glasgow from nope, your Nope, Denver. nope, nope. You got that backwards. Glasgow was in Detroit. They lost him to Denver. Oh, really? Why did it say that? Okay, so they well, weakened their wrong. offensive line. I read that wrong on there. Okay. Uh, brought in Geronimo Allison on a one year deal, I believe. And then they uh, drafted, obviously, DeAndre Swift, who we're talking about. Uh, Huntley, who's another running back, and then Quintez Cephas at wide receiver. Losses, they uh, traded Darius Slay. That goes kind of what Matt was talking about earlier, where he definitely seems to be rubbing people the wrong way. There was a, Darius Slay did not have a lot of nice things to say about Matt Patricia on his way out the door. Neither they, did one of their defensive tackles. I can't remember. Was it Snacks Harrison? Snacks. Yeah. I think Snacks has been a little cranky every place he's left, though. <laughs> And then I do think I do think they brought in the in the perfect replacement for Slay though I think I don't know why his name just jumped out Jeff of my Okuda. head. Oh, Alcuda's a beast. Uh, before I well, let me finish the losses here, and then I'll ask you guys the question. Uh, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and Geronimo Allison. So almost their entire wide receiver room will all be unrestricted free agents in twenty twenty one. If Stafford stays healthy, can he be a top three quarterback next year for fantasy? <laughs> You know, I, I, say think, no. I, I think he can be. I, I, it, it's, uh, I guess the challenge for me is he's, he's not likely to because Patricia, uh, when he gets a lead, tends to go conservative, burn the clock. And so I think that's, that'll be the thing that prevents Stafford, uh, from taking that step into the top three. Yeah, I'm, I'm outside of the top three. All right, well, that actually – thanks for that uh, transition there, little boxes, because I was, I was going to ask about what we think of Matt Stafford. So we think he – outside the top three, but possibly top five. I mean, he was on pace. A lot of people seem to forget that he was having an MVP-type season up until he got hurt. So I guess to finish out that question, assuming health, let's just assume that he stays healthy – what do we think he could do fantasy wise? Like, how high do we expect him to go? What where would you cap it at? Right around the five range, ten range? What do you think? Oh, uh, between five and ten for me seems reasonable. I mean, there's I, some guys we think are going to take possibly steps forward. They're up in that upper, assuming health. And Stafford has never been one who's going to add a huge dimension on the ground. Yeah, I, I think Stafford is. Uh, Probably top seven. Okay. You know, because the top five are all guys with big rushing upside. You know, Dak, uh, Lamar, Kyler. Um, Mahomes is going to be there. He doesn't yeah. have to run. He just. He can. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Russell. He might be the football version of what. Uh, did you guys watch the last dance last night? I have not had a chance. That's what I'm doing. As soon as I get off here, I will watch the last two episodes. I cannot I wait. I haven't watched any of it. 
Anyways, well, it sounds uh, like well, we're having a I last dance say, podcast. Just but, I, <laughs> but I will say I, I am a big Garth Brooks fan, so I would be looking forward to it. God, that 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 is such a, a archaic '90s pull. I don't think we're, we're I don't think we're rocking it with the '90s country music fans here. No, let's see. Here. So Quintez Cephas, uh, there was a lot of talk that he could actually be the perfect fit as the wide receiver three there for Detroit. Uh, you know, a guy who played against him last year and Jeff Akuda uh, with the Buckeyes talked about how he was the hardest wide receiver for him to uh, guard. And as Dennis pointed out in the episode, we talked about that. It showed in the stats on how well he did against Akuda, the only player to do anything against Jeff Akuda last season. What do we think Cephas can do in this in this uh, role? Because I actually think it's a perfect spot for him uh, with the coverage that's going to go to Galladay, Jones, and probably Hawkinson. A guy like Cephas in the slot, where do you think he could slot in fantasy-wise for a fantasy team? I think he's probably a taxi squad guy. Okay. Um, he, could, he could take that wide receiver three role, but you've got a proven veteran in Amendola. Um they brought over Allison to who who plays that role, and I think that uh, Patricia is going to probably uh, defer towards the veterans to start out with. So that's going to push Cephas's uh, ceiling for year one down pretty far. So well, I like Cephas as a prospect. Uh, I, I'm not counting on anything from him this year. Okay. Especially if if Marvin Jones gets injured, then maybe then then there may open up an opportunity. Okay, so so let me ask you really quick, because Matt, you can answer this too. Because uh, Quintez Cephas is being drafted in like the fourth round, or not being drafted at all in most rookie drafts, right? As I, I mentioned there at the beginning, with the with the expiring contracts, Marvin Jones and Galladay's contracts are both up after this season. Now, I don't think they let go of Galladay. I would be surprised if they don't franchise him or work yeah. out. He's got but a better I, chance of being franchised than Robinson, yeah. I think. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they let Marvin Jones go. He's been really yeah. good, but he's dealt with injuries every single year. Okay. So could Cephas be a long-term play? You just mentioned a great taxi squad guy. Could he be a guy you see moving in and possibly being the two there with Galladay if they let Jones go? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's he. He's. I think he's built more for that complementary role than he is to be the wide receiver one. Yeah, I, I agree. Think in that range in the rookie draft, that's where it makes sense where you're grabbing him. I mean, that's where I've taken shots on guys like KJ Hill and for the Chargers, where you know there's not a lot of depth charts and impediments above him and potentially Keenan Allen is going. I think Cephas, you know, that's the same kind of idea. If you're expecting year one production, I'm with Dennis. I think that's that's probably a fool's bet. But if it's a guy you're looking to stash that you think kind of has some potential and could see some potential openings above him, you know, that's a great pickup. Swift, carry on, or both? If you're in a startup draft, which are you trying to grab? Are you just trying to go with Swift, thinking he's the future, carry on, or do you try and grab both of them? There is a pretty significant gap between the two in the ADPs. I will say, well, I'll just put it to you this way one is going in the top 30, the other is going outside the top 100. So there's a shot that you could get them both. Would you, I don't want to say waste a roster spot, say that you believe Swift is the guy and you take him as early as he's going, do you then use a spot later on and say probably the sixth, seventh round to grab carry on, or you just let him go and, and worry about filling up other spots? What do you think, Dennis? 
Well, I think it comes down to your philosophical approach to building your team. Do you handcuff guys? Do you look for, you know, if, if, if I think they're going to split time 60, 40, I want the 60% guy and I'm going to look for a different 60% guy if Swift gets injured. But if it's going to be 50-50 or if it's going to be 75-25, then maybe it makes sense then to back up Swift with carry-on. So it's it it all comes down to the philosophy. For me right now, I'm kind of staying away from that backfield. Uh, I don't I don't trust Matt Patricia. Yeah, yeah. You know that, I think that's fair. I, I think there's value in carry-on. Because Patricia is going to play both of them, I don't know how much he's going to play both of them, but when you're looking at top 30 versus outside the top 100, there's definitely a value play to be made for Kerryon Johnson. Yeah, that's 100% where I'm at. If you're looking for value in a startup, Kerryon's the value at RB, I think what he said, 37 on his ADP right now. Uh, well, no, he's both. He's being drafted as RB thirty-seven. His ADP is one eleven for carry on. He's, okay. he's going way. Yeah, late. but if you're if you're taking like the if you're RB thirty-seven, you're looking at your oh. third and fourth running back. That's where I think that the that you know what with what I think you know we'll see from him in this offense feels like much more of a value than we're also at the time of the year where you're seeing in in dynasty startups. I've done several in the last few weeks the rookies are just going incredibly high and people are talking about, Oh, these guys are going to start for me every game this next year. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you'll be picking at the top of the draft again next year. Good luck. Yeah. I, I did one with the back row show Friday and some Jack wagon took Carrie, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn in the fifth round. I don't know what that dude was thinking, but it was just a little bit of a reach in their opinion too. All right. So let's do some over unders here. Matt Stafford. Does he finish as QB eight? Remember over good, under bad QB eight. Over. I agree. Matt? I'm going to say that's a push for me. No push. That's about right. Over. Then I'll I'll take under. That's why I said eight. That's what I think about. Like, where's Matt going to say push? That's where I'm going. Got to make him get off the fence. You got to take a side. All right. So he's being drafted as QB 16 with an ADP of 151. Being drafted just ahead of him, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. Are you taking him over any of those three, Matt? Yes, especially in Dynasty, I'm not sure why why you would uh, reach for those guys. I think I would take Stafford over all three of those. Oh, okay, interesting. What about you, Dennis? I, I would as well. I would take him over Goff and probably Rodgers. Ryan would be hard for me. I think Ryan, just even when he's played on bad teams, has proven that he can really kind of be a top quarterback. He's 95 though. years old, though, so. That's all right. He's still slinging it at 95. So, you know what? When he gets to 105, I'll be worried about him. But he's still slinging the rock, man. He's, he's golden. All right. Just under him, this was really interesting to me. Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, and Justin Herbert. You take it any of those three over Stafford? Dennis, I'll let you go first this one. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably not Herbert. How do you? Uh, well, I, I like her. Not immediate production. I, exactly. It, it, if I'm drafting Stafford as my quarterback too, you know, I'm probably going to take him and get production this year, and maybe next round or two rounds. But I want to secure that second quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Locke. Th- some days, yeah. 
I, I got there. There are times when I'm drafting, and I'm like, I I had a few weeks where <laughs> I I had a few weeks where man, I couldn't get enough Drew Lock, uh, Darnold the same way, but I I've cooled a lot on Darnold because of Adam Gase. Yeah. So and and Herbert, while I like him. Again, it's. I think that Stafford is the one who's gonna. He's he's probably most likely to win me a league this year with Locke being the second most likely. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? So I did take Drew Locke over to Matt Stafford in my startup today. So I definitely uh, am going there um, because you know I like him a lot, but. I, I'm kind of with this Herbert. You know, I like, uh, but I think you can get later, and that's not going to return immediate production. Darnold, Darnold is such a tough one for me. You know, I was listening to NFL Radio. They're talking about the fact he's 22. He's younger than any of the three top quarterbacks that were drafted <laughs> this year. Yeah, which seems hard to believe because he's going into year three. But we just. <laughs> You know, you see like one or two games in two years that make you feel good about him. There's all kinds of potential that you feel like he has, but he does not have a great team around him, too. Like if you're comparing him to Stafford, his wide receiver one is either Rashad Perriman, who's on his uh, third team, or Jamison Crowder. Uh, And his offensive line is you know, being rebuilt. His coaching situation is arguably not as good as running back situation is definitely not as good. So, you know, as much as I like the idea of Sam Darnold and youth, I think I would still go Stafford there. Uh, the only one I think I would probably take is Locke. Uh, I do like Stafford, though, a lot. Of, I think he, he's got the more proven track record. I think Locke obviously has the upside, especially with the team they've built around him in this year in the draft. Uh, I would – it would probably be a coin flip, depend on how many shares I owned of Stafford and or Locke. I probably would take him over Herbert. The one thing I'll disagree with, I would all, I think Herbert's going to start by at least week three. I really think Tyrod's going to get Bakered again. I just Herbert's so good. I know he's not going to have much of an off season, but man, that I just I think that kid's good, and I think he's going to start by week three. So I think I he's going to feel bring... like this is some residual resentment toward Tyrod Taylor. From his not at all. Tyrod won his games, man. It wasn't Tyrod's fault. Cleveland lost to or tied Pittsburgh. It was fucking Hugh Jackson's fault. <laughs> I love Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I kind of wish. Well, see, here's the funny thing, Max. <laughs> podcast with us at that point in time. This guy right below me said that they should have started Baker week one. And I vehemently disagreed with him on that, as I'm sure he'll remember. I said, no, you start Tyrod all fucking year. Don't you dare put Baker behind center. And then I regretted saying that as soon as that <laughs> came in there. We saw the Baker. same way, I'm going to regret my uh, all my 95 shares of Drew Locke. But yeah, I I do I love Tyrod. I, just, I think Herbert is so talented. And I know a lot of people... It's funny, uh, as I was mentioning the, the back row mock that I did with them Friday, Jeremy Barker was talking about that him and Arms were really against uh, Herbert early on. And then they went back and watched some of the tape, and they're like, man, this guy's actually a lot better than people give him credit for. He's really good. And I, he's, I'm planting my flag on that guy. Like, I really think he's going to be really good. We got a really interesting question here from Dynasty God. So I want to get to that before we move on to Swift. Uh, pure talent. Would you rather at wide receiver if you were building a team, Galladay or A Rob? It's easy for me, Galladay. And and I mean, like, not 
that there's that much difference in their games. I, just, I love Galladay so much more. So for me, it'd be Galladay. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, I'm going to go Galladay, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I would take Galladay too. All right. So DeAndre Swift right now, RB22 in 2020. Yes. <laughs> Higher or lower? Under. I'm gonna I'm gonna say under as well. Hello, buddy. Yeah, he's waiting for his juice here. Uh, I'm actually gonna go over. I, I've talked about it uh, when we did the draft episode. Kane really kind of talked me into this one. Uh, I think that Daryl Bevel and them are going to rely heavily on Swift because I think he's a little bit better of a prospect than Carry On Johnson. I know it's just workout videos, but those workout videos are just astonishing and make me think he's going to be even better. Although Carry On Johnson picture that he posted of him and girlfriend was just as astonishing. So. I, I do think Swift is going to be really good, though, so I'm going to take him. This is the part of the episode where we realize we have too much time on our hands in the life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun scrolling through that that thread. Uh, so he's being drafted as RB14 with an ADP of 25 right now, going just ahead of him. Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins, and Miles Sanders. Would you take Swift over any of those three? I would not. I would probably take him over Henry. I agree. That would be the only one for me. But then again, Henry will probably come back and – Throw it all back in our face again this year, but I would I would take Swift over Henry. Some uh, guys go- I'm just gonna be wrong on over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he's like my Ronald Jones. Hey, hey, Ronald, he's gonna <laughs> here. He's except, gonna except for yeah. Henry's successful. Hang on. Where's that remove from stream button really quick? There we go. All right, Dennis. Matt got kicked <laughs> off. I don't know what happened to him. All right, so just uh just under him, Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, and Aaron Jones. Would you take any of those three over Swift, Matt? I would take Eckler. Okay. Dennis? Uh, boy, I'd probably take Jones just because I I feel like he's going to have a better year this year, and I'm okay with the uncertainty of Jones next year. Uh because running backs only last two or three years typically. Yeah. So and and I I'm a big Aaron Jones fan. Yeah. Uh, I love Aaron Jones too, but I think what you just said there is why I would take Swift over him because I think what we've all come to realize is you're really getting these guys for more likely just their rookie contracts. That's what you can expect from them. I'd be worried about where Aaron Jones goes, as you just said, where I know I've got DeAndre Swift in Detroit for at least the next four years. So that that's kind of why I'd lean him just a little bit over Jones. Uh, and Akers and Eckler, it's not even really close for me. Eckler would be just because he signed the new contract, but I'd still take Swift based purely on talent over Eckler. Uh, carry on being drafted. At, oh, I'm sorry, carry on RB24 in the 2020 season. Under. Okay. Under, yeah. uh, under, under means bad. Over, 20. over good, you're bad. So yeah, under. Okay, so we're all under. Well, on. If you just followed over under in the traditional sense of below no, the number, we and like above. To do things differently here. All right, we separate ourselves with our our nuances. He's being drafted as RB thirty seven with an ADP of one eleven. Going just ahead of him, AJ Dillon, Alexander Madison, and Mark Ingram. Would you take carry on over any of those three? Uh, over Dylan and Madison. Okay. I'd take him over all of those three because, uh, you know, I think Ingram's really one year. Uh, I would probably take him over all three as well. 
All right, let's see. Where did it just – I just lost it. Oh, just behind him, Ronald Jones Elite, Marlon Mack or Tariq Cohen. Would you take any of those three? We should just leave Ronald Jones off. We know we're taking Ronald Jones over him. So, Mack or Cohen, you taking either one of those over carry-on? Uh, probably not Mack. Um, I, I feel like Mack is going to have a better year than a lot predict, but I, I think uh, carry-on will uh, out-touch him pretty well. Um Cohen, you know, I, I'm I'm starting to to buy into Cohen in the hundred targets. And so <laughs> it's it's making it easier to Wait, go and say he had a hundred targets last year and still was RB thirty eight in this format. I, I get yeah, it. We but, keep talk, we talked about all about that the first hour here that we think they're gonna regress back to the, the twenty eighteen season. So Yeah. So Matt, what about you? I would not take any of those over him. Okay. Uh, I might consider Ingram, but that would be the only one for me. No, I take Ingram, that back. I'm sorry. Ronald, going over. Ronald Jones, I would take. Oh, yeah, my bad. I meant Ronald Jones. Ronald <laughs> Jones is over carry on. Well, That's we right. do things different here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We do things different here. Mm. All right. Kenny Galladay, will he finish better than wide receiver eight in 2020? Yeah, I think I think so. I think he's in that he's in that five to seven range. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the eight over as well. As am I. He's being drafted as wide receiver twelve with an ADP of thirty. Going just ahead of him, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham Jr. Crap, I forgot which Brown. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. That's right. Antonio Brown. Right. Antonio Brown. Would you take Antonio Brown? AJ Brown. Would you take a Galladay over any of those three for me? Easily Cooper and Brown. I know Brown had a huge year last year, uh, but Galladay has been much more consistent. So I would take him over Cooper and Brown, not Odell. That's He's been much more consistent than Odell as well. I, I just said my Brown's homerism comes into play. So I'm, take, I'm taking him over all three of those guys. Yeah, I'm easily taking him over all three of those guys. God, Matt, you were really pushing yourself to get kicked off this podcast here. I can understand Dennis going Galladay over Odell. He's a Lions fan. Come on, man. Uh, hey, you know, Odell, uh, I don't think Odell's the best receiver on his own team. I would take Landry over him. What? No way. Uh, Galladay over Adams, yes or no? No for me. I'd no. take Adams. I love Galladay, but Adams is a, Adams is a beast. Yeah, it's, it's a – I mean – there's probably not more than two slots or three slots separating them, but yeah. Adams is above him. All right. Marvin Jones, better than wide receiver 22 this year. Yes or no, Dennis? I'm going to say, yeah. I think he's he's going to be in that 20 to 18 to 22 range, so I'll say 18 to 21. All right. Yeah, caveat being – Caveat being his health. I'm going to go just under. I think he's in the 23 to 25 range. All right. I'm a, I'm going to go over as well. He missed a couple of games with injury last year and finishes 24. If he can stay healthy, I, I like him to finish above 22. Uh, he, he is being drafted as wide receiver 62 with an ADP of 137. Going just over him, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, and Paris Campbell. Would you take him over any of those guys? It's an easy answer for me. I take him over all three. As Dennis. would I, Matt. For Dynasty, I'd probably still take Paris Campbell and feel yeah. hopeful uh, because Marvin Jones, you know, the expiring contract. I think you, you have one 
one kind of year, but I would take him. I mean, Corey Davis, goodbye. I, I can't. I can't. I still. Don't, I. I don't understand how Davis is in the ADP range. So I definitely take him there, and wow. I think I'd take him over Samuel too, just because he seems like he's fallen out of favor in Carolina. Corey Davis has a lot of hardcore truthers like that Ronald Jones guy. I mean, they just they just can't quit him. That that's the problem. So, just behind him, John Brown, KJ Hamler, and Robbie Anderson. Would you take any of them over Marvin Jones, Dennis? Nope. Matt, I would take Robbie Anderson because he just signed that deal. I think uh, Carolina. Yeah, in Carolina, and I, I think that that's a situation where um, he has some history with the coach, and they're they're trying to do some things there. I, KJ Hamler to me, I, I hope he's good, but he feels like he's verging on being the most overdrafted rookie receiver right now. People are just looking at that speed and saying he's going to automatically be something. You know, I think Marvin Jones, where he is at, you're grabbing a guy that you know is going to give you some good value and startability to help you compete in year one. Uh, for me, I would say no as well. I, I would take Marvin Jones over all three of those easily just because, as we mentioned, if when we stay healthy, he's a wide receiver too, and you're getting him in wide receiver three and four range. So the fact that you can get a guy who's proven he can be that consistent that early or that late in a draft, give me Marvin Jones. Uh, last but not least, TJ Hawkinson. Can he finish as tight end 13 in 2020? Yeah. I, I – you know, from tight end six or seven through tight end 18, <laughs> any one of them could be tight end six. Anyone could be tight end 18. I agree with you. Matt? Yeah, I mean, he could, but I'm going to go under. I will I will go with under as well just because I think there's a shot. He goes 13 to 14. I don't think he makes it into the top 12, though. Uh, he is being drafted as tight end eight with an ADP of 96. Just ahead of him, Darren Waller, uh, Hunter Henry, and Zach Ertz. Would you take him over any of those three, Dennis? Uh, boy, I I feel like uh, definitely over her. Uh, I'd take him over Ertz and Waller probably. Okay. Matt? I, I wouldn't. I would not take him over any of those three. I would take him over Waller. I do think with the additions that Oakland has made at the wide receiver position, Waller is actually going to lose a lot of targets. So I would take him over Waller. I don't know if I'd – and I'm not even the biggest Hunter Henry fan in the world. I, I think I'd stick with keeping Henry and Ertz uh, with uh, – over Hawkinson. But Ertz – actually, Henry would be close. I think Ertz is still pretty easy for me to take over. But Henry would be close. Just behind him, Austin Hooper, Noah Fant, and Dallas Goddard. Would you take any of those over Hawkinson? I'll let you go first, Matt. I would take Fant and Goddard over him. Dennis? Uh, I would probably still take Hawkinson over Fant. Uh, I would definitely take him over Hooper. And, and I, it'd be a coin flip on Goddard. You know, one thing looking at the at Detroit stats last year, they did give a hundred and almost a hundred and thirty targets to the tight end. Mm -hmm. So the potential is there. I, I think for him, um, what he play? He played twelve games, started seven, and he had sixty targets. So it's it's not that big a stretch for Hawkinson to to move up 
the tight end pecking order given the talent that he has. Yeah, uh, for me, it would I got to stay on brand here. I would take Fant. He was he. I had him over Hawkinson last year in the draft. Anyways, I loved what Fant did with Denver. I would keep him. Goddard would be a coin flip because I do think he's about to be the future in Philly, uh, and I like that offense a little bit more than I do Detroit's. But I probably more often than not lean Hawkinson. But Goddard would be close for me. Fant easily I would take over him. So that, I'm in uh, actually a startup right now that's tight end premium, and I was just looking at. Uh, where they went and yeah. Hawkinson went uh, behind all of those guys except for Hooper. Hooper hasn't come off the board. Goddard or uh, Hawkinson just went. Interesting. All right, so that does it for us today. That recaps the entire NFC North. If you want to hear what we thought about the Packers and the Vikings, we put that episode out last week. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with Mr. Bob Lung of the Consistency Guide. We had him on last year. He was a lot of fun to talk to. We will bring him on again this year. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun talking about his guide, which is an amazing tool for fantasy football. Uh, and then we'll be back again Monday after that with probably the NFC South. I don't know yet. We, I haven't figured out which division we'll do AFC next. AFC North? No, we're saving that for last, baby. We're going to get those brackets. The Brownies finish. So are we going to ask Bob a lot of questions about uh, everyone's favorite receiver, Marty Cooper? Marty, fuck no. I did ask him a lot about Odell. If you're, ask, if you're asking about consistency, it would be exciting. No, I'm not consistent. As, as my buddy, <laughs> my best friend in the whole wide world mentioned on the last podcast. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, we'll bring him up. Actually, that'll be a fun little guy to talk about. I know last time we had him on, we did a lot of talking about Odell. Uh, and some of our other favorite players. Uh, obviously, if you want to ask him some stuff about Sutton, the one thing with him, with Sutton and like the younger guys, there's not as much. They don't to- have enough time. Yeah, exactly. But that's so- what I was noticing. We were looking at both Robinson and Galladay. You, you, I can tell by the over section where Cooper's being drafted, considering what we've really seen about his consistency. You know, if you were playing for being a weekly, that's why I think that might be interesting. Gotcha. But yeah, there, it'll be a fun episode. He, he brings a lot of really good knowledge. It was a lot of fun talking with him last year. So I'm excited to have him on. Obviously, if you guys follow in live or if you guys listen to the intro, you can follow Dennis at culture underscore coach Matt at Nighthawk7734. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you guys with Bob Lung on Thursday. Right on. Don't melt. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.